And when COVID broke last year, people were calling it a health crisis. By August, I knew it was a fraud vaccine crisis. And now is the time to take on the fraud within CDC, NIH. They're going to do the cabal, as I call it, where they actually use human beings as guinea pigs for vaccinations. All right. So today we have uh, Michelle Scorzizian, who's a friend, um, full disclosure on that. And uh, we're here to talk about what happened to her elderly mom um, when she received her two COVID uh vaccine shots. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Good to be you know, here. And we're so sorry that you lost your mom, but t tell us how what happened, how she was doing before she got the uh, shots and then what happened afterwards. Okay. Well, my mom uh, is German and she grew up during World War II and met my dad uh, in Germany in the early 50s when he was um, working with the Secret Service. They got married there, moved here. She was a live wire, um, very social. Um, uh, and you know, I grew up just knowing my mom always being the party planner, the, the, you know, she ran her own business. She spoke three languages. She's just an amazingly bright woman. And, um, my father passed away in 2014. My mom, uh, took care of him right up to the end. And, um, she, was still very, very active. My mom bowled every week, took lessons bowling. She walked the dog three times a day. She uh, did crossword puzzles every single day. She um, went out on Wednesday nights to a piano bar with her friends. Uh, oftentimes it was my brother or me or my sister taking her to the piano bar. Every Wednesday night, mom went out. She drove um, right up to COVID. And when COVID hit, she was living in a condominium community and uh, she just went through the isolation everybody went through and everything came to a screeching halt. She could no longer go bowling, couldn't go to church. People weren't walking the dogs together. They weren't playing cards and bunco anymore and all that type of thing. And my mom simply needed more. Uh, my brother and I both um, offered to have her come live with us and she was pretty point blank with us about us not being enough. <laughs> you know, she wanted to be with, with people her age and continue to do things. So we were really fortunate. We found an independent living community that was not militant about um, COVID. They required masks in the public uh, arenas, but they still played cards. They still, they took off masks when they were eating. They had a theater. They had live entertainment. They had all kinds of things going on, which was marvelous for my mother. My mom um, had a, a unit that had a patio, so we could go right in without even going through the community. We could go right in to that um, unit. Mm -hmm. And my mom, on her own, decided to stop driving. She didn't need her car anymore. She hadn't driven for about a year because of COVID. So she decided to give up the car, and we were delighted with that. Um, and just take the shuttle or she needed to go or we would take her. So anyway, she gets her first shot in February. And- uh, Was it mandatory in that in that residential area, uh, building? What at the time, but it was coming. We knew it was coming. And so um, I think that was the timing. But anyway, she got the first shot. One of my family members took her. And then I took her for the second shot. And everybody in there was was getting them. So, you know, we-, we uh, 
my mom's a rule follower, you know, she, she went along with everything. But anyway, um, I took her on March 23rd for her second shot and the neck, and I stayed with her to, you know, through the, the waiting period afterwards, it was a crazy situation because there were like 19 or 20, um, uh, what I want to call them, curtained rooms where people would get the shot. And, and they did the second shot instead of at the hospital, like the first shot, the second shot they did in a, in a uh, commercial building and had all these stations set up and people were stacked up going in for these shots. So anyway, and when I took her in, the woman who gave her the shot, who I assume was a nurse said, make sure you hang on to this card because you're going to need it to travel and probably do a lot of other things as well. And I, I confronted her with that. And I said, well, how do you know that you're going to need these cards to travel? And she said, because that's what's going to happen. And I said, well, what about people who are allergic? And Christine, believe it or not, this nurse said no one could be allergic to the shots. Little did she know. Little did she know. But who? how can anybody say anything about what people can be allergic to or not be allergic to. But anyway, and I will also tell you that when my mom heard you're going to have to carry papers, this just brought something um, tough for her because the whole idea of carrying papers brought back a lot about it growing up in Germany. Sure. And the whole concept of carrying papers just really made her, um, I'd say tremble. I mean, it was just, it was in, she was incredulous that that would happen in the United States. But anyway, so she gets the shot on the 23rd of March and I stayed with her through the evening dinner, had dinner with her. Everything was seemed to be pretty, pretty fine. And the next day she fell and mm-hmm. uh, the friends at the unit thought she may have had a mini stroke. And Christine, from that moment, my mom was not my mom anymore. Mm-hmm. She was not my more. She all of a sudden needed a walker. She could not walk her dog. She could wouldn't even think of doing a crossword puzzle. Could couldn't put that together. Um, she we had to hire people to bathe her. Uh, she was depressed. She wouldn't get up, and um, we she ended up within two weeks. She was in the ER three times. And what were the issues at that point in time, Michelle? Um, she would be short of breath. She um, uh, just weakness, mm-hmm. um, depressed. Her feet swelled up. Um, she it, she just she wasn't herself. She couldn't. She just couldn't. She, you know, my mom had some certainly had some memory loss, and my mom wears a pacemaker. She's worn a pacemaker for years and years. But I have never, had never seen anything so dramatic ever as I saw in my mom. And so uh, my sister picked her up for the first time from ER when the ambulance, you know, independent living, they don't have med techs on staff. So my sister picked her up from there and they couldn't put their finger on what was wrong. A couple of days later, she, um, she just, she was falling. She could not, she could not function. And so I took her to the ER again, and uh, um, you had to sit in the parking lot, you know, because of COVID. And and when I got her discharged, they couldn't put anything together on her. They just said, no, her vitals are fine. She's, um, you know, her dementia is probably progressing. Uh, Keep an eye on her. You know, it was very, they they didn't have. Nobody had had any answers. 
They, they, nope. And, and when I connected it to the vaccine, of course not. And when I said that to him, I said the only thing that's different in my mom's life is she took a vaccine. She took a vaccine and she turned into a different person. Mm-hmm. So anyway, then the third time, uh, my I thought, well, you know, she's so confused. She couldn't remember if she had breakfast. She couldn't remember what day it was. She. This is a, a woman that March 22nd still did everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 24th, everything changed. So anyway, the, the third time um, I thought, you know what? I wonder if she has a UTI. And so I took her to an urgent care because the confusion was just so tough for her. And uh, so I took her to the urgent care. And the interesting thing is the fellow who checked us in, I told him that I that the only thing I saw here was this vaccine. And he goes, well, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting the vaccine. And um, when the nurse came in, she took her vitals and she just said, you know, we can test her for a UTI, but you'd be better off just going back to the ER because since she's on Medicare, they'll do the whole battery of tests on her and included in that would be the UTI test. So I thought, okay, well, here we go again. I took her to Northside Hospital and I waited in the parking lot for a while. Eventually they let me come in and with my mask and everything. And I sat in her room and asked the doctor, I said, I need to know what's causing this. This is our third go around. And he said, well, she's got progressive dementia and she's got edema in her feet. And they told me how to treat, uh, to elevate her feet and make sure she gets plenty of liquids. And um, that's all they could offer. And I, and I was point blank with him, Christine. I said, the only thing that's happened here that's different in my mother's life is this vaccine. And he said, no, I, I, I don't see it being related to the vaccines. So uh, anyway, it was not long after that, that my brother and I and sister decided mom needed more care. She needed to either move in with us and have round the clock care, or we needed to put her in a facility where there would be med techs on hand. And I wrote everything out and I went through it with my mom. And I said, you know, mom, we're going to do whichever of those things you want to do. And she, in typical form, she goes, I don't want to be a burden on you. And I don't want to be babysat by a nurse at your house. Let's, you know, she, she was open to looking at, at an, another facility. So we moved into an assisted living and immediately um, she needed hospice. Mm-hmm. And this was in, I think, June. Immediately she needed hospice and they gave us the urgent care pack with morphine and all that stuff. If my mom deteriorated quickly, they came every couple of days, you know, she still had bathers and now she could no longer, you know, even take her normal medications that she took for her heart and everything uh, pre-COVID or pre uh, the shots. We had to have somebody do that for her because she couldn't remember what she took and what she didn't take. So everything had to be monitored. Everything mm-hmm. monitored. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on she January, went. She went downhill very, very quickly after she really, got her second shot. Really rapidly, and mm-hmm. then on July fourteenth, she passed away. So, um, and everybody was stunned. Everybody was stunned at how quickly everything deteriorated. Because my mom was, you know, gregarious and fun and all that at independent living, and prior to all that. I hated the fact that she had isolation like everybody did through COVID. Um, But, you know, this whole COVID situation has just 
ruined lives, ruined lives. Did you, did you report it to VAERS? Tried. Um, I got onto VAERS in April and put everything in. And Christine, I got to tell you how hard that is. Mm -hmm. I remember at the time you telling me that. that yeah, that, I'm shouted 20 minutes. Right. And, so, and then it makes you go back to zero. Right. And, and people and I heard later on that people actually if you if you hit a button and saved it, if you were on page seven of 10 pages or something, you could re-enter at page seven. But they didn't tell you that. Oh, they don't the want instructions. So I timed out uh, because I didn't have all of the available information. I was doing it on behalf of my mom. And then I tried it again and it timed out because it asks you things like, what's the street address of where you went? Well, I was at a commercial office park. Mm -hmm. I, I started to look all that up by the time I got back to the to the uh, uh, form, it timed me out. So the third time I had everything stacked up and it, and it took it. And I double checked it about a, a month later and it wasn't in there. So I so I went to the helpline or whatever, you know, the contact us line at VAERS and um, they said, well, I needed to put in more information. I needed the lot number of the Pfizer vaccine she took. So I went to my mom's and got her card that was on a refrigerator and I brought it back and I put that in. Now, my mom has, and I didn't check again with VAERS, my mom has since passed away and I thought uh, just a few days ago, I thought I'd check VAERS and I plugged in the six digit number and she's not in there anymore. It says, if you had a six digit number, you need to put a zero first. So I put that in and the person who comes up is not my mom. Isn't so that interesting? Missing, it's just missing. Yeah, I mean the, the system. The system doesn't work. The system it does doesn't work. work. It doesn't work. And you know, I'll tell you one other thing. And you know, I I grew up. My kids got vaccinated. All the vaccines you're supposed to as kids. My husband and I got vaccinated. We even got the shingles vaccine. I I don't think I'll get vaccinated anymore. I I we've lost trust in the medical uh, arena because of this. Um, but I will tell you, the only people I know who have passed away during all this are fully vaccinated people. I have two cousins who passed away, fully vaccinated, got COVID pneumonia and ended up on ventilators. And I don't know anybody unvaccinated who passed away from COVID. Well, it's, you know, the sadness about this is the, is the lack of trust. That's, I mean, if, if anything, the, the, um, the medical community and the pharmaceutical industry has been fully exposed. I mean, the pharmaceutical industry is, is, in, is in the business of making money. They're not in the health business. That's what people have to understand. And the medical people who do want to practice health and, and develop that relationship with their patients, you know, they're the same ones that are getting slammed by the medical boards for giving exemptions when exemptions are necessary for some people who are allergic to vac vaccinations. Well, that's right. And my daughter has had COVID and um, I was fortunate. A doctor prescribed hydroxychloroquine for her and it was a non-issue for her. Mm -hmm. my I'm 13 year old granddaughter got COVID. She took nothing for it. It passed in two, three days. It wasn't even as bad as a flu. Um, to think that the, and then my, my little five-year-old grandson, you know, forced to wear a mask in school. And I think about these little kids that are breathing in bacteria, germs, snot, you name it. They drop their masks on the playground, you know, and pick it up. Mm -hmm. on. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm just incredulous at what we are doing to people. And then I've become a bit of a student of how FDA approves and, you know, the difference between approve and authorize and, you know, the number of, of approved drugs that ended up being 
uh, very dangerous for people. You know, garden, mm -hmm. for example, you know, there's so many out there that we have put our trust in a medical system that doesn't deserve it. Well, we live we live in a country that is, uh, you know, over 72, 73 percent uh, living on pharmaceutical prescriptions. I mean, we, we are pharmaceutical culture and on the medical uh, plane here in the United States. There's well, no doubt about it. Right, Christine. And it's no wonder that media doesn't report this, because if you noticed how many ads are pharma ads, <laughs> I mean, my mother. I, re I remember I remember the year that they that, that uh, farmer went went on television, farmer ads that it was in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, I, was at, I was at CNN at the time. How is that mm -hmm. even possible? And people just demand this stuff now. I have a, I have a relative who's in the um, rehab arena with you know with with uh, chemical dependence, and you know she says they have chemical dependency will affect anybody, anybody. Mm -hmm. It can be the CEO of a multi-billion-dollar company one minute and the guy under the bridge the next minute. It's very patient. It'll go after whomever. And, um, I, you know, my mother and I would watch the game show network because we liked playing Family Feud and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times we'd watch that. I think every single ad is pharma, every single ad. And I'm, I'm just amazed at how. And then, you know, I, I have been reading up on Fauci. I have a, I have a former neighbor in Kansas City's uh, brother died of HIV. And now that I've learned about, you know, involvement around HIV back then from, you know, the, the, the King Fauci. Mm -hmm. I'm, um, I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted that we've gotten to this place. Well, we're, we're not, we're not home. We're not in the home stretch yet. And, and speaking of Fauci, we know that uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s book is, is, is coming out. Uh, I've read excerpts of it and it's, uh, it's quite stunning. I mean, I, I encourage everybody to get that book and to read the book. You know, yeah. because it's uh, it tells you the history of Fauci, not ju not just you know what happened now during COVID, but you know years past. Because the <clears throat> documentary that National Geographic um, was involved with on making Fauci now a star uh, is not exactly the truth of what's behind his history. No, and a lot of these people who've been in these paid for by the government for decades, you know, and then they become these you know ridiculously rich uh, bureaucrats or, or officials, it, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable, and you and I both know from what has happened in anti-trafficking and some other arenas, just how poorly um, problems like that are addressed, so. They're never addressed, that's the problem. Corruption that's, is corruption. That's exactly right, there's just too much money in all of it. There's too mm -hmm. much in all of it. And, um, and I, you know, I'm sad to say that it, it, at this age, in life where I used to put so much trust in um, the medical community, hospitals, pharma, um, you know, agencies in the government, CDC. I know people, scientists who worked at the CDC. I live in Atlanta. And now I think I, I, I've lost so much faith in, in, in all of them. See, it's, it's interesting to me, Michelle, and maybe this is why, you know, why I am a journalist, because I'm always skeptic. I'm, I'm such a skeptic. And I, you know, but I, it, it is hard for people who believe, you know, in the institutions. Uh, I'm not the least bit surprised. I, as a matter of fact, I'm disgusted that people do believe in these institutions because they have been corrupted for so many years. But people don't listen until it affects them. And this is one time where a vax is on the table 
on every kitchen table globally. And for people to think that the FDA here in the United States is a gold standard that affects everybody overseas, it's shocking to me that that um, that people still believe in it. You know, and, and I understand that. I understand they want to believe, they want to trust, but. You know, it, it, people in the news business know that it, it, it was a gold standard and it had its problems. They know that WHO had had its problems because of the corruption. They know that the ministers of health in some of these other countries have been corrupted. But now all of a sudden, you know, people are waking up that this is it's a global corruption and that pharmaceutical companies are not really in the business of health. They're in the business of making money. Well, you're right. I mean, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. We've heard that for many, many years. And the bigger you get, and the more removed you get from local, the worse it is. And we know this with CEOs. We know this with a lot of different things. It's the local, on-the-ground, grassroots environments that are, are going to care most about you. And I'm, I'm disappointed in that. Um, and, you know, and I understand how frustrated you could get as a journalist because you do see it. I mean, you see what's going on in Afghanistan. You see things that you see things through a different lens because right. you are wired to be a skeptic and wired to be curious and wired to um, to ask the second and third and fourth line of questions that many people wouldn't do. Um, a lot of us just want to believe, you know, we mm -hmm. want to because we're busy doing our other lives. You know, you're a journalist. I'm busy doing my other life. Mm -hmm. um, but now, I mean, I would never, never uh, allow my grandchildren to you know, to take Gardasil, to take, you know, to, to take these vaccines to, and we've been lied to about even the definition. They're changing definitions. Right. Of they changed the definition of vaccines uh, to include the mRNA and the DNA. Yeah. To, to fit their needs and the PCR tests and all that. I mean, I've really become a student and I will tell you another thing. I am so grateful for the Children's Health Defense so mm -hmm. grateful that such an organization exists and that uh, that the selfless selfless people who had um vaccinated children 30 years ago are on their own time on their own dime coming forward and saying look if we knew then mm -hmm. we're trying to tell you now right you know, our child may be a fully functioning adult and they're not, and they have no hope of ever becoming one. Your kids now, and, and we, when I saw that young Maddie and I saw some of these, these um, uh, breastfeeding children from their vaccinated mothers just having tremors. I mean, the things that you're seeing, why isn't media putting this out there? And Christine, when I looked at, at the data on, um, on VAERS, which now they're trying to discredit, which blows my mind. Oh, I know. They're trying to discredit their own their own reporting system. system that they've known that has had problems. But but here, here's the thing that bugs me. When I when I uh, and God knows I've done a lot of the you know interviews with a lot of people who are have been vaccinated currently, okay, in the COVID era. And their emphasis on the fact that they want people to believe that they're anti, that they're not anti-vax, all right. I don't know why that is so important to them, but I mean, you know, they'll criticize, they'll, they'll go along with the narrative that Bobby Kennedy is anti-vax when, when in fact he's not, he's saying, he's saying science, all right? Uh, but it, it is extraordinary to me how many people, you know, want to basically, it, it's about being pro-vax or anti-vax. I'm anti-Frankenstein science. I don't, I don't care who you are. 
Um, and, and I think that people should understand there is such a thing as the fact that there's certain facts that are there, that the pharmaceutical companies, people have gone to jail. I mean, that, that's just a fact of life. There have been millions of uh, hundreds of millions of dollars that have been uh, doled out as because of damages with pharmaceutical companies and it's drugs and vaccines and everything else. P you know, for people to think that this is a, a sainthood. That's just that's just ignorance. And the most extraordinary thing that I think that has happened this year is you would think in the middle of COVID that when the Sackler family was held accountable for the Oxycontin disaster yeah. um, with the opiates, you'd think that that would have been and it was in The New York Times and it was in The Wall Street Journal. But you'd think that there would have been a huge push on that. Uh, with all of the cables and the networks, and there wasn't. Well, I, and I think that that is because it gets buried in all the distraction. I mean, there are so many bungling, awful, pathetic government moves that are distractions. I mean, just just you could go through everything from Afghanistan to energy to inflation to these mandates to letting all these people out of jail to the open border to, I mean, you know, we're so distracted by so many things that we can't believe happened. Um, but I'll tell you one other thing on the vaccine, and I hate even calling it that, that blows my mind is here we are still in emergency use. They're not being honest about what actually was approved and it's not even available yet. They're not being honest about that. And on top of, if, if this were such a phenomenal record-breaking success that one size fits all and hurts nobody and no one could be allergic to it. There's no such, but there's no other drug. I mean, this is no what other people drug. have to understand. There's right. no drug in the world that's ever been created. There's no vaccine that's ever been created that is safe for anybody. That's, that's why you have warnings on all of the labels. Right. And we've never seen the ingredients and we've, you know, we know the clinical trials are still going to be going on for a couple more years and kids, my goodness, what it could do to kids long-term, their reproductive organs and everything else. Well, they don't know. But, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. Nobody on the planet knows. And who has no liability? Well, no, no one has any liability. No one has, no one has any liability. Oh, and that, no, that, they call it. And that's, and, but again, that was the U S Congress that did that. This didn't just happen. This nope. is this has been going on for years in Washington D.C. Yeah. Everybody who's ever worked in news, everybody who's ever lived in Washington D.C., anybody who's worked on Capitol Hill, and any members who have been elected in the Senate or the House know damn good and well that the Pharmaceutical Manufacturing Association has huge influence on Capitol Hill. Right. Former members are on the record saying this and people that behind closed doors and up in the Capitol Hill know that even Senator Johnson held a, a conference, a roundtable last week. And the one elephant that was in the room that he never talked about to me was the most obvious thing that he neglected to say, which is the Pharmaceutical Manufacturing Association pours out millions of dollars. Every well, year. Exactly right. I watched every minute of that, Christine. I thought it was a it was a good session for the most part. I mean, I think it made abundantly clear that um, there's tremendous risk to taking these jabs. Tremendous. Mm -hmm. And to think that corporations are being told they should do it, that they should ignore that OSHA doesn't even have the right to do this. I mean, it's 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 criminal in my view. Absolutely criminal. Um, I did watch that Johnson thing and I and I 
my heart broke for all these injured people. And we know that there are thousands and thousands mm -hmm. and thousands more of these mm -hmm. individuals that, you know, they just don't, they just don't care about. Them. They don't care. I want to know who in Congress owns any pharma stock. I want to know who in Congress has family that owns any pharma stock. I want to see the whole money trail of the lobbyists and pharma and, you know, and, 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 all of these billionaire uh, Pfizer, Moderna, J and J folks that have that have been bred out of this vaccine situation, and uh, Fauci's connection and his wife's connection. I mean, I don't. All of them. All of. Well, them. I mean, it's it's not it's not just the it's not just members of Congress need to be held accountable for for all of that kind of stuff, and they have to disclose it. And who knows if they fully disclose it or not? But and who knows if it's just their wives or spouses, right. you know, that that have uh, the suck the stock but that's but it's the donations it's the political the campaigns and yeah. it's the lobbying and how much it costs and who they're targeting and everything like that everybody in washington knows the game and this has been going on for a long time when ross perot ran for president in 1992 with his charts and everything like that he talked about k street and everybody knows it and the, yeah. the, and the, the fact that they're not admitting it now is irritating to me when you've got people's lives at risk and also you've got children within the crosshairs of uh, getting back, you know, with mandatory vaccinations. Oh, my gosh. No kidding. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a sad, it's going to be a sad day down the line. I, it, will, I think. it will be. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I lost my mom and I think my mom had several good years left. And it's a shame that, you know, where she's with my dad now and you and I both are people of faith. We, we you know, we know where they are. Right. Still far too short, far too short. And then my cousins and. You know, and then I watch all these people that I have no relationship with and my my heart just breaks for them. Their their lives were turned upside down, especially these people who went on clinical trials. You know, it was interesting to me, Christine, when I learned that if you had an effect like I believe Maddie did after the first shot, those results didn't even make it in the clinical trial. Right. Because they, because they because they they stopped it at that point. So how misleading is that? Well, I mean, that, that's, you know, if you've got bad input into the computer, your output's going to be, you know, bad. And so, I mean, if nothing else to come out of this is that it has exposed the, you know, and I have to think people are not this stupid. All right. I have to believe that this is intentional to confuse the public and to, to possibly give them some leeway to say, well, the system doesn't really work, but it's really not our fault. Well, hell, why are we giving it more? Why are we giving the healthcare system any more money? Clean it up, throw it out or get rid of the people who are leading because obviously they can't do their jobs. And, and I don't know why it's such a tough decision to say somebody's inept. Somebody's stupid. I mean, if you're if you like Fauci and you didn't and you admit that you were lying to the American public, why is this guy even in the room? Well, that's right. It's institutions versus individuals. The interesting right. thing we have the largest government in the history of the United States, largest number of people working for government ever. And this kind of garbage goes on. Oh, no. this is this is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, they, I don't even certainly the US government could tell us, you know, how many rented cars that they have in the system. I, I mean, I, I don't think that they have the numbers. And the, the problem is that people don't care. They don't care. It just it's, If it affects you, then you get mad. But it's not the system. But now it's the kids. And that's You're right. That, You're right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm very fortunate. I have a very good doctor. And he has provided hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And I take a protocol that, you know, knock on wood, has kept me healthy uh, throughout this whole thing. I don't wear a mask unless I'm going to my BSF class on Tuesday nights because it's required in that church. Um, and that's it. Otherwise, you know, I'm living my life. And um, 
God bless the, the, the leaders who stand up and say, yes, you have medical freedoms. You live your life. You make your own decisions mm -hmm. about your own. You know, if you don't want to take a flu vaccine or you don't want to take a shingles vaccine, you don't have to. Why this? Why? This? Well, not only that, but now they're pushing that everybody should get their flu vaccine. OK, because in, in the next thing we're going to know is it's got the mRNA and the flu vaccine. I've never had a flu shot in my life. I wouldn't take a flu shot. I'm not getting shingles. I've not taken vaccines before because I've spent a lot of time overseas. But th this this mandatory stuff, it, it's, uh, I'm not going to live in the 1930s in Germany. You're exactly right. And both my husband's uh, family fled, you know, Armenia. And because they're, well, they have a long history, as you know. Uh, and my mom uh, left Germany. I still have lots of relatives in Germany. And uh, when when there was, you know, she told us when they start giving you freebies, mm -hmm. all kinds of freedoms, making all kinds of promises. And then there's scarcity. Scarcity. Mm -hmm. Inflation drives the scarcity. My mom used to be the, you know, she was the oldest of three kids. She stood in the lines for the food. And the night she'd go to bed, she could afford it. The next morning, they couldn't. I mean, it, inflation was out of control. And then you had to carry papers. And then you're commanded on how you salute somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, mm -hmm. say, say Guten Tag or Alfie are saying you had to say Heil Hitler. That's mm -hmm. how, I mean, it went from zero to a hundred awfully fast. So That was the most shocking thing. And I've said it over and over again is how fast it went down in 2020. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, we got to close out on this. Uh, anything else we should, we should know about Joanne, your mom? Oh, just how much I miss her. I mean, we all miss her, but uh, no, she was, Hey, she's, She's partying it up where she is now. She's got loads of friends, but I do miss her. My heart breaks. Yeah. I miss her. My family misses her. Um, no, my only thing would be, you know, read and, and study and watch the alternative media because that's where you're going to get the truth. People like you, thank goodness for CD Media, American Conversations, uh, for Children's Health Defense um, and other environments where you can get truth. It's not going to be mainstream. They are sold out, biased. You know, and and there's a money flow there. You guys are objective. You just want truth. All I want is truth. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks for sharing so much. And Michelle, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye now. Bye -bye.